Welcome to the Fat Field Family Podcast, where every week we talk about things like nutrition, training, how to live a healthy and active lifestyle with your little ones, peaceful parenting, education, and of course, mindset. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Keto Counterculture, at Fatfield Mom, and at Fatfield Kids. And search for Fatfield Family on YouTube. To stay up to date with everything we're doing, sign up with your email at www.fatfuel.family and check out our blog for workouts, meal ideas, and all the other cool stuff we love to talk about. Don't forget to hit subscribe. Welcome to the Fat Fuel Family Podcast. I am Danny Vega, and I am joined by my very busy, very hungry wife, who's currently going to town on <laughs> <laughs> the middle of an artichoke. She's uh, poor thing hasn't had to, uh, a chance to eat today, but how are you, my love? I'm doing good. Now yeah. that I have my artichoke. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm doing great. Yeah, it's um, by the time this comes out, it will be probably mid-January, so um, beginning of a new year, and we're lots doing great. Of, we're killing it. We're crushing it in 2019. We're already, it hasn't even started and we're crushing it. <laughs> In our minds. Um, we're super excited today because we love to have conversations with real people um, going through real situations. And um, we, we want this episode to be about especially, you know, how when you're confronted with some, some you know, off the wall news, how to deal with it. Um, our guest today is a ketogenic diet advocate. She's a brain tumor parent. She's a real food advocate. Go real food. Um, and she lives a low carb, high fat lifestyle with her family. And she's from Dallas, Texas. And her Instagram account is a beacon of positivity and light. And we can't wait for you all to hear her story. Please welcome Adriana or Adriana Stevenson. (laughs) How are you? I'm good. Thank you, guys. I'm really excited to talk with you today. Oh, it's our pleasure to have you on. Um, So obviously, I want to dive right in. You know, we always begin when we have someone on. uh, We begin by asking, you know, what is the most critical problem you're currently trying to solve? Sure. So... The most critical problem I'm trying to solve has to do with my oldest son, Parker. Um, He is, he just turned four years old. He is a brain tumor survivor. um, And all of my thought and energy goes into how can we prevent tumor recurrence? Um, He finished 18 months of chemotherapy in April of this past year. He has had major brain surgery. He is a strict keto kid. Um, And the thing is, is that the ketogenic diet is, was one of the best adjunct therapies we could do for him while he was on treatment. And now that he's out of treatment, to me, it is the best thing that we can do to help prevent that tumor from coming back. Of course, nothing is foolproof. um, And we just continue to pray every day that we're doing the right thing for him and by him. But, you know, I just want to give him the fullest life possible, the best health possible. And really, that's my driving force in life. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't blame you. I mean, we all live for our kids, and and when it's uh, it's never as obvious as when they go through struggle. How quickly, you know, we can just yeah. put everything else aside and make them the priority. And you know, obviously, it's awesome that you're doing that, and it's awesome that you're obviously the the, the right mind frame. Um, of course, prepared for anything that can come. Um, but doing the right thing every single day. Of course, yeah. I, you know, that that begs the the next question is, you know, how did you find out about Parker's um, tumor? And and I wanted to know, like, how was it just one? Um, and, you know, sure. what what led you to the ketogenic diet? Were you guys keto before or this was part of the journey? Sure. So 
the thing is, I have been on a real food quest for probably, gosh, seven or eight years now. My kind of back backstory, my dad passed away eight years ago, really suddenly. He was only 58. He had um, an undiagnosed congenitive heart defect that he didn't know about, and he literally died at work. And I was incredibly close to my dad, and it was this, and I was 29 years old, and it was so, it was absolutely soul shattering for me. And um, he and I, I was really active as a kid. I was a competitive swimmer, but definitely had weight creeping on in my 20s. My dad also struggled with his weight. And after he died, I just kind of fell into this deep depression, ended up gaining a lot of weight. And then coming out of that, I, gosh, I don't even remember where it was, but I first heard of the paleo diet back when that was a brand new buzzword. (laughs) Yeah. And I just threw myself into this research. I read Rob Wolf's book and all of a sudden it's like my eyes were opened to all the lies we've been told about food, all of the kind of misconceptions we had about food growing up. And the thing is, I grew up, I was a vegetarian until I was eight. My mom was like this hippie earth, crunchy granola mom. (laughs) We ate a a ton of carbs. And I I wonder, gosh, why do we have metabolic issues? Well, we stuffed ourselves full of carbs all those years, you know? Um, and so I kind of got into the whole paleo world and, you know, much to my husband's dismay, like threw everything out in our house, you know, started from scratch with food. And uh, this is before we had kids and um, just kind of started on this real food ancestral health kind of quest. And I actually, um, we had wanted to have a baby for quite some time and I ended up doing a Whole30. And if you guys know what Whole30 is in January of 2014, and I am a personality-wise a total rebel, which means that I have a really hard time convincing myself to do something, even when I know I really want to do oh it. Oh my gosh, um, that's Mauda. Yeah, you're just yeah, like Mauda. I could never do. I could never do Whole 30. I hate the rules. It's like I I, I would eat better not doing Whole 30. Yes. <laughs> I know, so the thing is, is that totally. But what I also have learned about rebels and learned about myself is that if you can tap into your authentic self, what drives your authentic self, you can do anything. And for me, it was actually the conversation to myself of, you don't, you know, you hate rules. You say that you can't do this. Prove to yourself that you can do something for 30 days. And that's how I've done it. And I've only done one perfect whole 30. I've had several other kind of failed attempts along the way. Um, But that first time was so important for me to do it. And it was so life-changing. And I actually got pregnant with Parker the very next month after almost after a year. And it was, that just told me, oh my gosh, food is so healing. Like this is what my body needs. And had a really, you know, pretty easy pregnancy with him. I carried him to 41 weeks, did end up in an emergency C-section type of situation. But other than that, I did everything right. I mean, he was breastfed. His first food was organic avocado. I mean, I did everything, you know, according to what I thought was best for him. And the thing was, he was still diagnosed with a brain tumor. And that was a big part of my healing of letting go of the guilt you have. Because you think, oh my God, I've done something for I've done something. I stood in front of a microwave. I smelled a chemical, you know, just so you think of all these things. And in fact, yep. um, none of those things caused it. And so um, anyways, getting back to Parker's story, um, he met every developmental milestone earlier on time. I mean, I actually remember he crawled on his six month birthday and just the most beautiful little boy. And gosh, about 14, 15 months, 
I noticed that he was having, he had left hand dominance. Like he put everything in his left hand with toys. And my husband is left-handed and was like, oh, he's going to be a lefty. And I just, there's something that just instinct was like, that's not right. Something really bothers me. And it got worse. And gosh, about 17, 18 months, my mom noticed it. She's a retired special ed teacher. And we noticed he had started fisting his right hands. And of course, like alarm bells went off and we're like, oh my God, what's going on? Is he autistic? You know, we're thinking of all these things, but he didn't have any other signs apart from this physical manifestation. He was very wobbly, but again, he was a toddler. So nobody seemed to think anything was wrong. Um, But about 18 months, I went to my pediatrician because it really bothered me. I noticed that he couldn't grab a bath toy, like with water or any sort of resistance with his right hand. And our pediatrician looked at him and I love him because he's very old school and he is not a coddling type of doctor, which is great because I want the facts. You know, I like don't, yeah. don't yeah. Give me. love that. And he's and he's like, you know, it's abnormal. It's, it's, it's I, all I can tell you, you should go see a neurologist. And so, okay, a little nervous. We go to see a neurologist, gives Parker an assessment and says, gosh, well, he looks great. But that right hand, that is abnormal because she tried even blowing bubbles and having him pop them with his right pointer finger. And you could tell that he was really struggling to get that pointer finger to flex out. And she said, well, I think we should order an MRI of the brain in the top of the spine just to rule out anything. But we literally left thinking it could be something as simple as a pinch nerve. I mean, really not even on our radar at all. And um, I think back now before that first MRI, he had to have sedation. And I was so worried about that sedation. Now I'm like, oh my gosh, we've dealt with so many other interventions. (laughs) I know, right? like that thing now. Um, And we, I knew that something was up because the MRI, after about an hour, um, we had to sign consent forms for contrast dye, which my just hackles went up. And I thought, okay, great. That means they, you know, kind of want to put a highlighter in there. They want to kind of look around at something in particular. So um, that first MRI lasted two and a half hours sedated, if you can imagine that. And he was only 19 months old. And we um, went home. Of course, they don't tell you anything at the facility, right? They say, oh, your neurologist will call you in about two days. We get home. We've been home for about 15 minutes. Parker is laying down with my mom to rest. I'm putting clothes away in his nursery and the phone rings and it's our neurologist. And this is like that line in the sands, right? The moment where our life is completely different on the other side of it. And she told me, well, I know why Parker has difficulty with his right hand, they found a very large brain tumor. And it's just, I like called my husband in, I put her on speakerphone and we had no idea. I mean, it just completely floored us. Never in a million years did we think this. Um, It was golf ball size, if you can imagine, in a 19-month-old brain. It it was amazing that actually that that was the only outward symptom was was his hand. And the thing is, he wasn't vomiting in the morning. He wasn't lethargic. He didn't have all these other kind of classic symptoms. He just had this weird thing with his hand. And that just tells me, like, it's such a God thing. And also just trust your instincts, mom. You know what I mean? Just absolutely. your Your intuition really matters when it comes to your kids. And so... So um, we knew it was, she wasn't quite sure, but they were, it was going into a weekend as well, which made it really hard because we didn't know what the next step was. We were thinking, oh my God, do we take him to the emergency room? Is this immediate surgery? What's happening? 
And we ended up uh, working with a really phenomenal uh, pediatric neurosurgeon here in Dallas. And he actually ended his vacation early (laughs) to come meet with us because we hadn't seen the MRI images yet. And I remember going into that appointment. This is like four or five days later and thinking, are we going to know, am I going to know what I'm looking at? And oh my gosh, we got into the room and he had it up on the monitor and it is like a take your breath away image. It's this giant wow. white, very well circumcised tumor. But the problem is it was like in the middle of the brain. Oh so his God. was in like, like near the hypothalamus, which is like really in the center of your brain, very close to your pituitary gland, wow. very close, close to the fourth ventricle and very close mm-hmm. to your optic chiasm. Right. So we were lucky. We didn't know if he had vision damage or anything like that yet. Luckily, no hydrocephalus, which is also a huge concern with small kids um, and brain tumors, right? There's no, there's no space for that tumor to go, right? So everything kind of gets pushed out. Um, so hydrocephalus, can you explain for, for those who don't know what that is? Sure. So hydrocephalus is, is actually swelling on the brain with extra fluid. So um, sometimes you'll see children that have like almost like their heads are enlarged or you see a prominent forehead, things like that. In those cases, those kids need shunts and shunts are permanent, basically drains in your brain that drain down. And now they actually drain down into their stomach. And the thing about a shunt is it's a life changing thing because they have to have it for life, right? It's once you put it in, you get new ones, but it's not something that you fix it and then remove it. So we were incredibly thankful that we caught it soon enough that he didn't have any of those other issues yet. Um, And our neurosurgeon talked to us about what our options were, and we knew that we had to debulk the tumor as soon as possible. And I mean, that's an incredibly terrifying thing to think of. Mm -hmm. And he talked about a couple different choices for us. And ultimately, this is amazing. I mean, this is when, you know, as much as I truly believe in ancestral health and whole body wellness, I am so thankful for Western medicine and pediatric oh, yeah. because My God, they, they, they are the miracle workers. They are miracle truly. workers. Yeah. And, we, we experienced um, that just with our, just with our boy. And it was just plastic surgery for his ear that was like okay. torn off yeah, but from he, he had getting to see, hit by a truck. He had to see the neurosurgeon just because he had, he had to have a neck brace because he did have some ligaments torn in his cervical uh-huh. spine and Scary. i mean seriously they are just they're very their attention to detail is they is are just way yeah, more there's a reason they other. are those people are just special Ab- absolutely and we have a really amazing surgeon who has wonderful bedside manner too which i really appreciated um Sounds so cool. anyways about 10 about two weeks later parker was in for surgery it was eight hours um and we knew that debulking the whole tumor was not an option because of the location <clears throat> so it had been in a different part of the brain, there's a chance that you can actually remove the whole thing. But his location, that wasn't a choice. And so actually our neurosurgeon went in through the top of the head in between the two lobes of the brain. Amazing. Like wow. didn't touch wow. gray. Good. Like, I know, like didn't touch gray matter. Like how is that even possible? Wow. And basically scooped the tumor out from the inside out almost I like to it's kind of weird but like a watermelon right so like almost like leaving the rind or the shell and scooping the inside out and just pushing everything out of the way really that's that's all he did exactly just pushing it out of the way to get to that tumor he was able to remove about 70% of it and um, Parker only spent four days in the hospital which is crazy I mean um, was he wanted us to get home because you know you don't want to be in a hospital right that's where you get 
sick and you can contract things. Yeah. And he's like, he's healing so well, get home. We had that whole fall to kind of find our bearings again. And we knew that it probably wasn't going to be a permanent solution, but we had no idea what was going to happen. As I like to say, there's, there's no crystal ball, right? And yeah. in December of 2016, at his follow-up MRI, unfortunately, the tumor had started to grow back. And at that point, our surgeon was not willing to go back in to risk any damage. And so our only choice, our only choice was chemotherapy. Um, let me, let me ask you something real quick with this. Sure. Maybe, maybe they would have they told you, but the way I understand it is if, if surgery is the approach that they take, like it's considered, you know, it's only considered successful if it's like not. 90 something percent. Am I, am I right in that? Correct. I mean, he was thrilled with how much he got out actually, but because of the size of it, because at that point he was more concerned with not with removing the whole thing because he knew that wasn't going to be an option, but trying to protect the the healthy brain that was there. Right. And try to take right. the pressure off of it and especially take not the pressure damage. off yeah, off the ventricles, which is how you can get a stroke and things like that. Right. So, um, so yeah, it was, you know, we kind of knew it would grow back, but still to get that news was just like, damn, you know, I just yeah. wouldn't believe yeah. that. Oh, yeah. And in you, you know, radiation was not an option. He was way too young and thank God, because, you know, radiating growing brains, there's just a myriad of issues that come with that. Yeah. So we knew we were going in for chemo and I had to really wrap my mind around that because that just flew in the face of every, you know, everything that I wanted for my child. Now I'm going to pump toxic chemicals into his body, you know, but at yeah. the same time, like, you know, he, we had to give him a shot at life too. And yep, so, yep. um, hard, no, no easy decisions, right? It's like one hard decision or another hard decision. And, um, so he started chemo December of 2016 and, um, actually kind of funny. I had already told my husband, he was still in the hospital. And I said, listen, I'm quitting my job because I can't be the advocate that Parker needs and work while he does 18 months of chemo. I was like, I'll, you know, I'll deliver groceries. I'll do whatever. I just can't, I can't do that. So I'd already made the decision to quit my job. And then the very next day I found out we were expecting our second son. <laughs> so, oh, my oh my God. It was just, it was a Christmas to remember. Um, and so, so it actually ended up working out really well um, because I was home. And so I was pregnant with, with Drew that first, you know, nine months of Parker's chemo journey. And uh, so anyways, getting kind of back to how the keto diet fits in, um, he, he was not like a keto baby or anything. I mean, we really ate probably a unprocessed whole foods, but he ate plenty of Dave's killer bread and butter and other things like that because I was busy working and it seemed like it was a, you know, more balanced. And the thing is when he was first diagnosed, my brain, the first thing I thought was, oh my God, we have to get rid of all sugar. And yeah. the, yeah. Thing, the thing is, I was discouraged from doing that. And at that time we were calling in favors to anybody that we knew. One of my best friends from college is an, a pediatric endocrinologist. And she got me in touch with a friend who was an oncologist. And I talked to this lady on the phone who I don't know very well. And she was like, I said, you know, my gosh, my first thought is, oh, we have to get rid of the sugar. And just the fear that she instilled in me and didn't mean to, but just you talk about what, you know, doctors really don't know a whole lot about 
nutrition, right? They take like one nutrition class and she was like, well, don't do anything to like, you know, disrupt the pattern right now and just put all of this fear into me about changing his diet. And honestly, at that point, I was like, well, whatever. I can't even think about food. We're just hoping he survives surgery at this point, you know? And so, but I never really let go of... of that idea. And in, I guess, February, so about three months after um, he started chemo, I finally, and it's about six months after he was diagnosed, I finally felt ready to tackle diet because I felt like I had a handle on things. Like we knew he was going to live. I mean, that's really basic. That's true. Like we knew he was going to live. We, I knew that we had to do something to help keep his body as healthy as possible while we're pumping toxic chemicals into it. And I revisited the whole no sugar thing. And one of the ways, um, one of the kind of key pieces to this was I was part of this Facebook group for parents who have kids with this specific type of tumor that Parker had. And this one mom shared her story and her daughter had the same exact, this is crazy, same exact type of tumor as Parker, same location, same chemotherapy protocol. And she had just finished a year of it, but she'd done a strict ketogenic diet and was having amazing success. And it was just like the light that I needed at the end of the tunnel. And I was like, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. (laughs) And so I, I messaged her and she ended up calling me and we've become become really good friends. But it was really through another parent that I learned about this because, you know, one of the things going into chemo too, I should have said this part, our oncologist told us there was basically one of three choices, one of three options was going to happen. Number one, the chemo drugs wouldn't work. In a third of the cases, the chemo drugs do not work. In a third of the cases, the chemo drugs keep things stable with no shrinkage and no growth, but they can kind of maintain status quo. And only one third actually respond to the chemotherapy. So like we went into this thinking we have a one third chance that this is going to work. You know, we just, you know, we we hope for stability. Shrinking seems like that's a really small percentage. And so this mom, same chemotherapy protocol, she did the keto diet and their tumor was almost gone. And I just knew there was something to it. And so um, she actually got me in touch with this amazing nonprofit. I don't know if you guys know it called the Max Love Project in Southern California. I don't know if you've heard of them. Yeah, I think I may have heard them. Can you can you uh, explain it a little bit? Because I've, I've, yeah. I've definitely. Absolutely. So the Max Love Project is a, it's a nonprofit started by a husband and wife team whose son is a brain tumor survivor and they are advocates for the keto diet for cancer kids, but they also look at kind of whole child wellness too, right? So they're looking at, is your kid getting the sleep that they need? Do they have the social interaction that they need? All of these different factors to being really a healthy kid, a healthy human, right? And they know that kids' childhood cancer survivors are at risk for long-term health issues and depression and all of these other issues. So they really help parents kind of empower parents to make choices at home that can help support their kids. And so um, that Justin, the guy that, yeah, it's it's awesome. And he has like a PhD in public health. And so everything that he um, gives to parents is all evidence-based. And I really appreciated that. And they basically supplied me with an annotated bibliography of clinical studies showing the efficacy of the ketogenic diet. And I literally handed this packet to our oncologist (laughs) and was like, "Um, I don't need your, 
I know. I and I was just and I kind of waited till I we have a, a, a group approach, and I knew one of the oncologists was going to be really um, resistant, and another one would be very open. And I did wait to talk to the one that I knew would be more open to it. But I basically said, you know, based, you know, not asking for permission, right? But I'm. This is what we're doing. This is why I just felt like you needed to know, um, just because with blood work and other things like that. And I didn't want to be secretive about it. But I also didn't ask for permission. And he took it. And um, actually, the next week was really excited because he'd read through things. And he's been a huge advocate for us doing this along the way. So. Um, I do encourage people to talk to their doctors too, just because, you know, it's kind of fear mongering. And the thing is, you are in the driver's seat. Like, do not be in the passenger seat to your child's diagnosis, your diagnosis. You're the one who's in charge. And Absolutely. that can be really intimidating too. But, um, but that's kind of how we started on keto. I did work with um, a dietitian at the very beginning because I don't know. I mean, there's just so much fear about what you feed your kids. And now I know, now that I know about everything, I think, well, what's to fear? You're feeding them whole nutritious foods, right? That's, it can only help. So it's so funny you say that. I feel like the fear is only there when you mention something like keto or paleo, but the fear is not there when kids are eating McDonald's every day. I don't honestly see exactly. the fear. So exactly. <laughs> I'm like, I don't see fear of Cheetos ever, really. Ever. <laughs> and you know, like in the in like the fusion area of the oncology clinic for kids, what do they have for them? Apple juice, graham crackers. I mean, I just, oh, yeah. I'm like, you. That's just to me. That's the that's poison right along there with the chemotherapy. You know, oh, yeah. and and we just broke we just broke the rules. When they're when they are in, you know, they're getting this chemo, and of course, radiation as well. Is your there's muscle wasting? There's all these yep. bad benefits or all these bad you know effects, and you know, you're, then you're feeding them sugar on top of it, so their just bodies are not able to handle it. You know, it's it's it just blows my mind how there's this disconnect between the policy <laughs> of the of the hospital um, and what they're feeding people, and you know, the day to day practice. They they seem to think that there's this that that they're not related. Absolutely, and I you know, it's one of those things too. I had somebody I don't know kind of give me a snarky comment and was like, well, what kind of childhood is that if they can't have you know X Y and Z foods? And I was like, excuse me, I'm giving him a chance at childhood. You know, don't yeah, tell me exactly. that you need all that crap to be a kid. You know, no, you need your childhood. You need to be able to go out and play. And you know, it's amazing. He actually did not lose all of his hair during chemo. Um, wow. he, he had that I mean, protein. Like, they had protein and fat and people are like, well, what did you feed him? And that's like the other thing about just the real food component. I mean, sure. We, you know, we use Lily's chocolates and some other things like that on occasion, but I'll tell yeah. you the first six months, he ate the same things over and over again because well, also, you know, chemo changes your taste buds. There yeah. are some days all he would eat was scrambled eggs. And I'm not joking, like six yeah. or seven pastured eggs in grass fed butter, yeah. hamburger patties, avocado, cream cheese, pancakes, Man, I became an expert at cream cheese pancakes because oh, it's something those are so that, good. He could, that he could talk 
tolerate. And honestly, he ate the same things on repeat over and over and over again. And um, that just, I don't know, it gave me such a sense of control in an otherwise totally impossible situation to deal with. It's so funny how that comment is so weird to me, honestly. Again, something that that's very strange. It and it's like, it's like I live in the, this twilight zone where, oh, you're not letting your kid be a kid. I'm like, no, actually I am. And I can't even tell you how many children I see day to day that cannot be children because they, they are right. obese. They are hyperactive. I mean, I did, I, I, a perfect example is like I, I um, volunteer at my son's uh, homeschool co-op and we're mm-hmm. there for lunch. So this is like 12 noon lunch. This isn't snack time. This is lunchtime. And what these children pull out of their quote unquote lunchbox is to me, a a horror movie to be honest it's pure (laughs) like candy it's candy juice literal candy candy juice gummies and like chips and then the worst part is that then you're like calm down children settle down and i know that they can't (laughs) you know i'm like i feel like such a hypocrite (laughs) exactly i'm like i feel like such a hypocrite but calm down (laughs) this this uh this past halloween i actually i did i did it i did not hand out candy this year and i ordered a bunch of just really fun things like glow necklaces and all kinds of Love stuff. And my, and my husband was sure we were going to be like ostracized or TP'd. <laughs> and I was like, we are not. And you know what? We weren't. And people thought it was so cool. And you know what? Like kids don't need candy to be kids. They don't you know? And no way. I just, you know, so, so anyways, that's kind of our very long story of how we got into keto. I will say a couple other things is that I did make the decision about, gosh, six weeks after we started him on it, that it was going to be a whole family affair because, um, and I just, and my mom lives with us and uh, she's a recovering carbaholic. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Good for her. her. That's always hard. And it's very hard for her and she's not perfect. Um, But the thing is, is that I didn't want him, he already had enough hard things to deal with. I did not want him to feel ostracized or singled out. And I was like, you know what? We all have some weight to lose. We all need to be healthier. And you know what? We're just going to make this a family affair. And that to me has been like one of the most important things that we've done because he doesn't feel like he does something different than everybody. Right. So that's um, so important. So that's been, that's been good. And we keep him keto. Actually, it's amazing just how metabolically flexible he is now because he can eat some fruit. He can, he can eat sweet potatoes on occasion and he stays in ketosis. I mean, it's amazing. It's like we trained, we trained his body so young that he is very receptive to, he's very receptive to it. And actually, if anything, I have to make sure that he gets enough calories in because I'll notice because kids are such good self-regulators, you know, I think we force kids to eat sometimes, but he'll have some days where he just eats a ton. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, this kid is empty pit. And then the next day, it's almost like he knows to intermittent fast. It's amazing. Like he just eats a lot less and is more active. Um, But we actually have to watch about his blood sugar getting too low because he is just, you know, so that's one of the things we do still monitor blood and ketones and that sort of thing. Probably, I don't know, every three or four days now. I used to do it twice a day at the beginning just because I was curious too and 
didn't want to, I wanted to make sure we were doing everything right by him. So that's so true. And when you, that's why it's like, we're doing what we're, what, what you're doing for him. It's, it's going to be with him forever. Like they're, it's so true. They self-regulate. And I ha- we even have to like, um, I have to remind Danny sometimes he's like, Oh, you know, you didn't, you have to eat your dinner or whatever. And then I'm like, look, let's, if you actually, we, we, we have to remember like, these are small children. They don't weigh 220 pounds. Like Danny, I'm like, Danny, exactly. he doesn't need to eat as much protein as you. <laughs> he had this and this and this let's actually add it up. And we add it up and it's like double protein yeah, double of his, his in body weight, weight, double body protein. weight. I'm like, he's good. He doesn't, like, he's his body great. is telling yeah. him. Yeah. And we need, and when our kids are healthy, they, we can trust them, their bodies to, to t- you know, to regulate. Well, you know, so. it's so funny. So our youngest son, Drew, he's 16 months old now. Um, he never did any of the more kind of complex carbs that Parker did yeah. because we've yeah. just kind of been low carb. And it's amazing. He is such a baby carnivore. I'm not joking for his yeah. first yeah. birthday. Yeah. We, got, we got him ribs. Like we have really good barbecue here in Texas. <laughs> That's so good. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. He's so just good. like baby gnawing. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, like this is the food that kids need, right? So it's just been very funny to see that too. It's it's so awesome that you guys did that. So I before we go, I, I want to go into a little bit your, you know, kind of the healthcare part of it, because we spoke a little bit offline, um, you know, kind of the challenges you've had. But what about, you know, for you and your husband, you know, did you guys see any, you know, any health benefits or be, beyond like the weight loss and stuff? Absolutely. So I'm still, I guess, on my journey too. Um, a lot of it has to do with stress management for me as well. Um, yeah. That's part of my ongoing mental health. But I've probably, I've dropped about 40 pounds in the last two years, which is great. I have about another 40 to go. Um, Slow and steady. I did have a little bit of a health setback for myself. Um, I did have, I had my gallbladder removed, unfortunately. Um, And that makes it difficult. And the thing is, is that I know that it was from years of abusing my body with carbs, (laughs) to be honest. And and just some other kind of genetic factors that I had going um, against me. So that was a little bit of a setback, but I've, you know, kind of gotten back on track. Um, number one for me, like mental clarity is amazing. When I eat right, I feel so good. I need less coffee. Um, I'll tell you my husband, when I first started him on paleo, um, gosh, seven or eight years ago, it's amazing. He, for the first time, cause he's always struggled with his weight just by removing like bread and pasta and those sorts of things, he didn't yo-yo with his weight anymore. He still has weight to lose, but he can, he can maintain and like slow and steady. And for him, that was like life-changing because he always, he never knew why. I mean, he is the kind of guy that can yo-yo between like 20 pounds in a month, you know, just way up and down. And he's a, and he's a big guy and he played football and it was always really frustrating for him. And just by like simple changes for him made a huge difference. And, uh, and so he and I are both working on getting more active as well. That's a big part of it um, for us trying to work that into our lives, but definitely health benefits for us. I will tell you, my mom um, has had huge health benefits. She has lost about 25 pounds or so, but she um, is a type two diabetic and was able oh, to wow. have her medic. Yeah. She halved her medication. Nice. That's, That's so huge. I mean, That's awesome. huge. I, I and mean, what was it? Un- are you talking about insulin or, or, or not insulin? Um, just just like you know, Not, like like metformin, like metformin, and there was oh, another metformin. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah no, those two blood sugar control because there's there's metformin yeah. and then there's that newer one, right? 
Right. So no, it was metformin. She was able to have it and she may be able to get rid of it altogether. I mean, because I'd make, I mean, I'm relentless though. <laughs> like make her test her blood and do everything like that. Yeah. Um, but, she, um, but she's really, um, and she's going to be 75 soon. So I mean, like she, you know, she has, she is proof that you can make changes after your seventies and feel a lot better too. And for her, it also has to do with arthritis. So it's also inflammation in your joints and things like that. She knows it's a huge improvement. She's noticed a huge improvement. So um, it's, you know, it's good for all of us. I mean, we started out just for Parker, but really it was the wake up call that we all really needed too. Because the thing is that the information was there. I knew what to do, but just like so many people, you think I'm too busy or I have all these other stressors. Well, let me tell you, you don't know what stressors are till you have a child diagnosed with cancer. (laughs) You know, it puts everything else into perspective. I can't even imagine. Oh, I'm sure. You know, it just puts everything else into perspective. And now when I think about it, it's just like, I just don't sweat the small stuff. And I don't like, I don't think diet's that big of, I mean, I diet is a big deal. What I mean by that is I just don't think it's a big deal not to eat bread. Like I don't feel deprived. Yeah. I it's feel not a great. Big deal. Yeah. You know, it's just exactly. like, let's yeah, we're not missing out. Mm-hmm. Such a big, well, let's stop, you know, you know, really what you're dealing with is you're dealing with emotional connections to things. Right. So yeah. that's the hard work that you need to do. Right. You yeah. know, yeah. The actual impulse control to not put that cookie in your mouth. That's important to you, but you got to think, why do you want to do that? What is the emotional tie to that? What are the traditions that are, you know, especially with so many cultures, traditions and food all go together. Right. And so that's what you're missing out on. It's not just that instant gratification. So I don't know. That's been a lot of important work for me because for us, it's not a quick fix. It is truly our lifestyle and it will be Parker's lifestyle. And so I, I'm, I guess it's kind of my other critical problem I'm trying to solve is as he gets older and is more and more aware, how do we build this narrative and this lifestyle in a way that it's enriching for him too? And for Drew, we're you know we're going against the grain by eating this way, but and not eating we, grains. <laughs> not eating grains, exactly. <laughs> literally against we, the grain. Literally not eating grains. And how do we, you know, how do I pass on some of those great traditions that I grew up with, and and still you know and still honor those, but make it not really about the sugar too. I don't know if that makes yeah. any sense. No, you make such sense. a good point with the traditions because it's so important. Like we we do have um no matter how you look at it we have emotional connections with food but a lot of it is is because of the experience you know like you you remember the exact smell of that of that pie or whatever it is and and what that accompanied that experience but like you know there's with fat man when the fat is high you can have so much like so many options, so many options. and i think like one of the things that i'm sure you inherently do and we always tell people to do is to focus on what you're getting out of it you know not what what you're missing right. out on you know because it's it's it goes into yeah, every aspect of life it's that yeah having it's all that about perspective. your perspective it's not like what am i missing what am i gaining you know yeah. well and the thing and, is and- is that we i still teach him to cook in the kitchen like my mom taught me to cook and i have to remember that when i share recipes and stuff like that because I don't really follow recipes <laughs> because I know yeah. how to cook, right? But you have, yeah. that's the thing that I want to teach him to do that. It doesn't really, you know, whatever type of diet you prescribe, you know, you subscribe to, the thing is, is that you have to know basic cooking techniques regardless, right? And so Absolutely. the thing is, is that we've worked, you know, he really wants to help out in the kitchen. So we have one of those like learning towers. And the thing 
because yeah, great. we make pizzas on Friday night. They're fathead pizzas, but he thinks they're delicious and they are delicious. I mean, you can't eat that much cheese and not think that it's good, you know? But, oh, uh, it's so good. <clears throat> okay. But um, yeah, we try to have a lot of fun. And, uh, but yeah, it's definitely, it's, it's different when he was so young when he was diagnosed. Now he's four and he's doing all of this talking. And uh, it's just, there's, you guys know, you've got two little boys. Like there's new challenges at every single stage, right? Yeah. And we've kind of mastered the toddlerhood preschool years. And now I'm kind of getting into little boy years. And it's a different set of challenges. Five was so good. Five five, you're going to love five. You're going to love five. Five is our five favorite. Is, five is my fave. Five yeah. is so oh, good. He's getting wait. there. That's why he's getting so good. Yeah. Because he's like four and a half right now. But and then, like, and then like, it's out. funny because then like six and seven, it, it goes backwards the other way. But then it's Yeah, because like, they get like more emotional or something. It's like yeah. hormone surges. And I'm yeah. like, dude, what's <laughs> We have our friend, her daughter is the same. Like you're going, yeah. they're getting emotional like over little things. And it's just yeah. like, yeah. But it's like the process, you know, you have to just be adapt. You have to, it's like, but it's always, that's how it is. Like as soon as I feel like I mastered a stage, it's like over. Yeah. <laughs> oh, absolutely. absolutely. Time to adapt. No, I am ready to get rid of the diaper stage though. We're still, oh, we're still I'm sure. Oh, yeah. that. And I'm ready oh, for gosh, that. Oh I know. That to be done. But, uh, I know, but you know, hard. one other thing I was going to say too, just, you know, I didn't really talk about, Parker does have some kind of long-term issues um, oh, okay. that from having, from having that tumor. And I was going to mention this too. Um, he has a, um, a speech delay. It's um, expressive okay. language, right? So he's been very slow to talk, um, but he also has right-sided weakness. So that that initial weakness we saw on his right side is still there. It's gotten better, but it's fine motor loss in the right hand. It's foot drop on the right side. It almost manifests like he's had a stroke on that side, right? It's very, it's not <clears throat> super noticeable, but you spend 15, 20 minutes with him, you will notice it. So he is in speech, OT and PT. OT, um, yeah, luckily, yeah, luckily kids are so neuroplastic, right, at this age. And so that's another reason that we keep him you know, on the keto diet as well is that, you know, that's one of the best ways we can help support his brain while it heals and, you know, and, and also and just developed. working. Yeah. Exactly. So we do have, you know, he has some, you know, long-term challenges, but um, he's not going to let it slow him down. So. I love it. I love it. And you're, I honestly will not be surprised if we, you know, this, this whole thing is just a memory that you have to explain to him when he's older, because like you said, they are so neuroplastic and um, you're doing all the right things. I wanted to, I, I did remember, I was like thinking about where was that barbecue place I went the last time I was in Dallas. And I'm like, I got to ask her and see if this is like one of the best ones. Cause for me, it was delicious. It was, um, okay. it was hard, hard eight is, I think it's in like a little oh, bit yeah. Northwest. It is hearty. That's pretty good barbecue. Next time, though, I'll have to meet you at 1050 barbecue. That's my all-time 1050? favorite. Okay. Oh, 1050. so good. Texas is so good. For is that in Dallas oh, proper or is that in, in it's like actually Fort Worth? In, or? It's, actually in, it's actually in Richardson, just right north of Dallas. And then another one in Dallas. Oh, gosh. Oh, Pecan Lodge. That's in okay. like uh, in Dallas proper. It's amazing. Like Life-changing brisket. <laughs> I mean, really, yeah, so we love our brisket. Awesome. Oh man, it's it's too good. I know it's really bad when I'm like, oh, we should just pick up ten fifty for dinner, and then it's like a hundred dollars later. <laughs> you know, I, I know just, it's it's so expensive because you got to buy so much, and it's always like fourteen, fifteen a pound so or more. It, but you're like, so you know good. what? It's cooked it's like, and it's yeah. good. <laughs> I know, it's so worth it. delicious. <laughs> 
So it is really good. But um, but yeah, I know you wanted to talk a little bit about the healthcare aspect of things too. It's it's funny. Yeah. I um, tell us about that so, because like you you guys had some changes right before the diagnosis, and that's we, like wow. We, we did, we did. So I will say, um, I have a background. I have actually two master's degrees: one in art history and one in library science. So I am no stranger to um to research and to having an inquiring mind that wants to know about things. And so I never really in a million years thought all of that energy would be put into medical research and cancer research and the healthcare industry, but that's kind of where everything has gotten channeled um, in the last couple of years. Um, But I actually left a job. Um, I've been at a university for about eight years and we had great health insurance, but I wanted something different. And so I was actually contracting and my husband was working for a small company that didn't offer health insurance at the time. And so we were on affordable health care when Parker was diagnosed, which is like everybody's, it's your worst nightmare, right? Not only were we paying, I don't know, our, our premium was like $1,300 a month for the three of us. That was just like our monthly expense. We had basically we were not accepted at the major children's hospital here in Dallas. We were not, they just did not accept our insurance. You want the best, you know, it's just. Exactly. Exactly. It's like, it's always, you know, when it's somebody else's child, oh sure. Well, they can go see so-and-so when it's your child, you're like, you know, like I, you know, exactly. And so there was actually only one pediatric neurosurgeon that would take our son's case at a different hospital and actually knowing what I know now. And I would absolutely pick him again to do it. So it ended up working out like it was supposed to. But the the red tape, because it was um, an HMO plan, we had everything had to go back through the pediatrician's office, every blood test, every specialist. And you can imagine... I had the time to deal with all of that paperwork and it was still an absolute nightmare. We had, I mean, I'm still fighting a bill from two years ago from when he was in the PICU after a surgery, claiming that we saw a doctor that we never actually saw because it was there the whole time. I mean, just crazy things. And, you know, we, uh, we are, some of dear friends started a really, um, were really kind and started kind of a crowdfunding thing to help us pay for some of our premiums because our out of pocket expenses that year were astronomical because of course, we're the worst case scenario, right? People say, oh, until you get hit, you need insurance until you get, you know, don't need insurance until you get hit by a bus or get a brain tumor or something. Well, that was us, you know? And it was really, it was, that was really hard. And it made me really realize how fortunate we were that we were educated and literate and had the time to take to actually deal with all of this kind of red tape. Because the thing is, what about all the families that don't have that or they're working three jobs just to pay their mortgage? You know, oh, it's just can, you know, hard for them to a lot of people to read the some of the, the language. I mean, that's just a, that's a reality. Yes, you know, it's exactly. not a it's not me being crass. It's just a reality that right. that the average reading level of a lot of people is is under that of and, and, and it's being communicated to you with the expectation right. that you can stand it. And there's a big gap there. And, and it was just heartbreaking. And, you know, and then... <clears throat> 
to top it off, you also, at the same time, you have to deal with all of this paperwork and all of this red tape when it's the last thing you want to deal with. And then at the same time, you're fighting, you're an advocate for your child, you're fighting for testing that you know that they need to have done. And they're pushing back against that. So for example, <clears throat> we, I, well, we, I wanted to have Parker's tumor tested, um, genetically tested. There's a great, um, a great company called Foundation One Testing because um, with pediatric brain tumors, there is some new research coming out with what are called um, BRAF inhibitor drugs. They're currently in clinical trials. <clears throat> and I knew that if we could kind of get the genetic makeup of his tumor, it would only open up options for us down the road should he need more intervention. And luckily, we were lucky that he had enough tumor left over from the surgery to get tested. Um, but the thing was, and our oncologist told us, they were like, your insurance is not going to want to cover this. And I'm yeah, like, well, let's submit it. And of course not, right? Well, and I was like, well, let's submit it and see what happens. You know, because yeah, I don't even want... For, well, better they for ask even, for forgiveness than permission. Yeah, they exactly. won't even cover a food tolerance test. So it's like, exactly. it's so ridiculous. And it, and it was really, and I'm, I, I can't tell you how happy I am that I did it because we found out that his tumor has... Um, a type of variant called uh, BRAF 1549KIA fusion. And the wow. thing is, is that no, knowing that there are specific inhibitor drugs, which are not chemo drugs that are currently in clinical trials in Boston, that should he have growth like in his, um, in his, in his adolescent years, because a lot of times with puberty, it kicks these tumors back on. Oh, we yeah. have answers now, like we have options, yeah, which you have options we wouldn't there. have known. Exactly. And the thing is, they didn't want to cover that testing, but I'm so glad I did it because I talked to Foundation One and they were great because they offered like financial assistance, but they also thanked me for pushing forward because they want more parents to fight for it, to tell of these parents they need the parents. How yeah. they need the parents to do that and to say this is important. And you know what? I haven't paid that bill yet <laughs> because it's still out there. <laughs> I will continue to fight it till there's like 50 cents left on it, you know? And it just, oh, I'm sure. Um, but that is, you know, that's really important. But you have to be ballsy, honestly. Like there's there's no room to be timid when it comes to dealing with healthcare because really they don't care about you, right? You're just a number. I know. So, I need to yeah. step it up with that because so, I'm like always like not wanting to deal with confrontation and like, but and ugh, you have to do it. You have to yeah. fight. You have well, to fight you, with them. You give me enough espresso. <laughs> So and I'll do anything. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, so so that um and uh then my husband actually was able to get a different job and um the one he still has right now and we have really good health insurance for the first time in years and <clears throat> it's such a relief to be honest relief, and yeah. uh but you know it's one of the reasons I started that Instagram account and I actually want to I've got I already got the domain to start a blog because you know I feel like we are so lucky like we are the lucky ones right and sharing like the opportunity to come on here and share Parker's story and our story as a family like we have you know we still have our child we have our health we have brains you know we have the opportunity to share this message that is really that's very powerful and honestly that's what drives me getting up in the morning because so many families don't have those things and it's heartbreaking and it's also so important for people to hear your story and stories like yours and you know even like parents of epileptic children because the truth is is that for the most part you're not going to hear about diet when it comes to these conditions well, and it plays such right. an important Important role. 
Well, and just being, you know, and so much of it happens just kind of like word word of mouth, right? I heard about it from another mom. I've had parents, a couple moms from Brazil, from all over the US reach out to me and be like, oh my gosh, I'm terrified to start this. Can I do this? You know, because you think I have all these other things going on when I've got these terrible conditions, right? And these, these, what, what can I do? And they're so afraid to start. And I just want to tell them, you can do it. Like you can start. It doesn't have to be complicated. Like it really doesn't have to be complicated. And just, I think giving people, not that they need it, but you kind of give them permission to do it. Yeah. And sometimes that's all that it really takes. Um, yeah. Yeah. They just and that's social validation to too, like that yeah. you are, you're doing it and other people are doing it. That's a proven to make it easier for people to make a decision, especially when it's such a, like to them in their minds, it's such a like crucial decision. Like, well, well should right. I take sugar out of the diet? I mean, God forbid they need that. And, and you're just, you know, obviously you're just <laughs> well, like, over here, like, well, no, no, they don't. Yeah. Well, and you know, the thing is, is that I still have some ongoing battles with family members too, but I'm, I'm sure. like, I'm, I'm such a hard, <laughs> you know, I mean, when they come over to the house, I'm just like, no, I'm like, you can't bring bread. Like bread is his kryptonite. Like, I don't know. He must know he comes from a long line of carboholics <laughs> because like he, sees he wants to reach for it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He wants to reach for it. And like, I'm like, I don't think so, bud. And uh, it's funny, but I have to look continually remind people like, nope, he doesn't eat bread. He doesn't eat this. But I, and like, and just, and I also provide goodies for him going out of into course, some of those yes. other situations too. And that's the thing is, and you know, most times like it's the adults that make a big deal about it. Oh my the gosh, kids, it's yeah. not even the kids. It's yeah. not, it's not. I mean, we've had some you know, with the older kids. I've had some experiences right. where my older one has been kind of pressured to eat Oreos. Right. Um, yeah, like, when like, he didn't like, want to. And then they were like, what, your mom doesn't let you? And he's like, no, she lets me. I just don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that was all, that was very satisfying. I was like, yeah, great answer. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so is oh, Parker boy. in like any, is he still home with you or is he like in school? Yeah, but yeah, yeah, I mean, he could be in school so, or is he in like a VPK <clears throat> type thing or you still have him home? Yeah, he, right. We had him home, honestly, just immune system oh, wise, sure. yeah, super, super compromised. Um, I did actually go back to work this summer part-time just because, you know, those nagging medical bills from 2016 are still, are yeah. still there. Um, so he right now is three days a week at a, at a preschool that's within walking distance of our house, which is great. Um, now he does, you know, he is the only kid that packs his lunch yep. <laughs> and, you know, um, and that's okay. And actually his teachers have been really great about it because, you know, this is a school that, you know, provides quote lunch. Like I dropped yeah. him off this morning cool. and I could see cool. the, yeah. Yeah, sna- the sna- morning snack. First of all, they feed these kids all the time too. I'm like, he doesn't eat morning snack when he's at my house. You know, it's just yeah, like, they don't yeah, eat it's, like, snack. it's, it's like, like the constant, it's like chronic non-stop. grazing. Yeah. Oh my God. Constant grazing. But it's I so saw bad. it because I, he, he got to school a little bit later this morning and I could see morning snack quote was already laid out and it was like giant muffins. And I'm like, good God. you know, it just was unbelievable. And, and giant pictures of probably skim milk. Right. And yeah. I was just like, all right, bud, well, what do you want to pick from your lunch for your morning snack? You know what I mean? And he like busts out moon cheese. <laughs> like, love it. Family, <laughs> Gotta know? love it. And and the thing is, is that like, I just, I pack things that he loves. And, and that's the thing is, um, I will say that in a pinch, those quest cookies have been very helpful this fall. Oh, I'm sure. He wanted to do yes. like cookies with Santa and all of that. And oh, I just yeah. actually gave his teacher like a, like a, like a pack of them. And I'm like, listen, whenever you guys do something special, you can let yeah, him just- 
just pull these out. Right. Just yeah, pull these that's out. The, no big that's deal. That's the most important thing. Just keep, and, and they're willing to work with you, just remaining in contact and they have to know. And just most teachers, right. you know, one of our really good friends, her daughter is in, in school and she's like super strict keto. And I mean, you know, they do these, like the treat things happen like all the time. Like yeah. there's always something, oh, but yeah, it's like at least once a week, she's like, gotta make cookies tonight. I'm like, oh gosh, you know, like, <laughs> like they, oh, there's always someone's birthday or some like event where they're like having some type of treat. But like at this point, her, the teacher knows and like, she'll like try to either bring her something that she knows she can have, or, you know, just let mom know so that you can send something so that your kid doesn't feel left out. You know, half the time, exactly. like we, we want to, we, you know, we know that if people try the keto stuff, they're going to love it. But then at the same time, it's so expensive that we're like, I'm not going to feed everybody that with that expensive stuff. Like, you know, Sorry, guys. if they want to eat their cheap stuff, you can eat your cheap stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I, I absolutely. I'm like, what things can I buy at bulk? I listen. I do a lot of shopping at Costco, and that's oh, the other that's thing. Oh, is like, Costco's it doesn't have to be. Oh man, it does not have to be expensive to eat this way. And when you keep it simple, it's not expensive. You know, yeah, I think and that's exactly. You can find and just like finding foods anywhere. Oh, absolutely. And Costco's huge for us too. And they're always like switching things out and putting great things there. You could always get like good like nuts. They have the moon cheese there. Some um now. Yeah. I know. I saw um, moon cheese. I was so pumped. We like and, wisps too. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. They just brought. Brought to our Costco, I'm so happy. They just brought um, the Simple Mills or uh, almond flour crackers, oh, which are yeah, huge because my kids love those crackers and they're yeah. so expensive. Oh my, <laughs> they are so expensive. We love those too. Um, luckily, Parker can do those and still you oh, know, stay in ketosis. Unfortunately, my husband likes them too much because he like, he's not a sweets guy at all. It's totally the snacks that get him. You know? so oh yeah, Danny, like, oh, I see him grabbing. Yeah, I saw Danny <laughs> grabbing the crackers and I'm crackers. like, you better not eat my kids' Dude, snacks. I just had like two crackers. I'm just I know, like, but when those crackers are like five dollars a box, I'm like, get I'm away like, from the crackers. I'm like, I'm having two crackers right now. She's like, whatever. Yeah. I'm like, you left that I bag open. You. I'm a, I'm gonna take two <laughs> crackers right now. <laughs> I'll tell you the the hardest thing is that Parker's school is nut free, which like oh, really is so hard. Us. We deal with oh, that too. Man. Oh, it's really and I hard. I want to be like almonds are not peanuts, <laughs> you know. <clears throat> And then that is so hard. Like, oh, that goes for a coconut too. I'm like, it does not go for coconut flour. So like, <clears throat> that's been really frustrating. So I've had to get is. more creative than I would have liked, <laughs> you know? And uh, that's the hardest part is like packing food. Because honestly, when he's home, you know, it's during the day, yeah. my, my mom or my babysitter, like they know we have go-to pull-out stuff for him. Super easy. I mean, and this is, as I said, this is a kid who loves eggs. I mean, I'm yeah. happy with how, that. How so. It's so easy. Yeah, you're right. The, the packing lunch is hard too. And Desmond's uh, steam co-op is also nut free, which when you're keto cuts out like 90% of it things. Cuts- you're like, I know, oh. I know. <laughs> so he'll like, go with like, like the, bacon well, and like Yeah, I know. And then the cheese. rebel in me is like, are they going to actually know that that's almond flour in there? Oh, you know, and then I, know, I like, have I mean, to be a real follower with that. It's really, it really stinks. <laughs> I know, I know. And it, and it is, it's like for some of these kids with allergies, I guess like they can't even have coconut. And I'm like, man, you can't even have a crack, like a coconut flour. Ugh. Well, and you know, it's just, it's so interesting too because you know obviously I really believe like your kids don't have health issues like Parker does and obviously Drew doesn't have health issues like his brother does but yeah. I think you know there's so many kids though that can really benefit by eating this way I mean kids with behavior issues or any I mean I just I wish more parents would be open to just removing the junk you know and I get it people are busy and it's hard especially being a working parent to to food prep but you know what it's hard to eat a regular diet and food prep too. So it's kind of like choose your heart, you know? 
Oh, I totally agree. And that's why I tell people like, yeah, not all kids have to be strict keto. Yes. If there's like, you know, if there's epilepsy, if there's brain tumors, I absolutely say 100% suggest keto, strict keto diets for them. But even just getting rid of the junk, like do paleo, just low carb paleo. You don't even have to worry about carbs because they're going to find your kid. Don't even worry about it. Like don't even bother planning that in because it's going to find your child. Make protein. Kids love cheeseburgers. A lot of kids like eggs, just like find what they like. Bacon. It's just, and it 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 has to be a family affair though. I think that's the most important thing. Like most of the the parents aren't eating this way either. So it's like, you can't tell your kids to eat healthy. You're not eating healthy. Exactly. Don't, don't look. And I remember, and I remember that because we started him so young and I guess I said it was about six weeks after he started. And I was like, oh my gosh, I don't want to hide food from him. Like that is just so wrong on so many levels. And that's when I was like, you know what? We're just going to cut it out. And I will say, you know, my husband and I, if we really feel like not, you know, eating a non-keto meal, we'll save it for a date night because you know what? We'll go someplace and try something. And most of the time it's just trying some little thing. It's not like going out on, cause then honestly, when you've been eating this way for a long time and you eat a bunch of carbs, you feel like crap the next day, you know? So yeah. 100%. Well, I I wanted, we're getting a little bit long on time, but I wanted to just give you the opportunity. Number one, um, any like bullet points that you can say to someone, listen, if if this happens to you, these are the things that that you should be looking for. And then of course, uh, we'd love for you to share all your your social media handles. And of course, if that site that you're talking about is- Yeah, we'll put that all in the show notes too. Yeah, if it's live or even if not live, just please share it. So the number one thing I would suggest doing, if you have, if you, your child or a loved one, a parent, anybody that you care about is diagnosed with cancer, the number one book I would have them read is called Tripping Over the Truth oh, by wow. Travis Christopherson. Over and over and over. I've never read it, but I mean, I everybody that, that knows about cancer uh, is Oh my God. It's absolutely life-changing. And I guess for me, one of the things it does is it demystifies cancer. And that's incredibly important because you kind of remove this emotional component from it and you understand the science of how cancer functions and why the ketogenic diet is so efficacious. Number one book, hands down, recommend reading. Um, From there, there's a couple other great books. One is called Keto for Cancer, just practical tips. But if you, especially if you you are going into radiation, especially with radiation, you want to be in a fasted state, number one. Um, They know that it's much more um, effective that way. If you have a solid brain tumor, the keto diet is one of the best adjunct therapies. I like to use that term too, adjunct therapies. They are complementary therapies to the frontline treatments of chemotherapy and radiation. They're not cure-alls, right? But they are really good at supporting healthy brain um, and kind of weakening those cancer cells. And so I would absolutely do that. I would reach out and find some social support with other like-minded parents if you're dealing with a childhood cancer situation. As I said, Max Love Project is wonderful. I know the Charlie Foundation also has really great resources for kids with epilepsy, but finding even finding that one other parent that you can call or text at two o'clock in the morning absolutely helped me through some of the really dark times or through all the insecurities I had when we first started. Um, 
There is so much research coming out. The other thing is make sure that you visualize yourself in the driver's seat of your journey. You are not a passenger. Your doctor is not the one driving it. You are the one driving it. Your opinion matters. Your voice matters, number one. Um, so yeah, I've got a lot more to say on that, but those are really, that's really where I'd start. That's what I did. I delved into the research because I had to demystify it so that I could understand it better and kind of remove its power over me. Yeah. Wow. That's so great. That's such good advice. I think that, I think that last part, man, I mean, just, or, well, actually they were all good, but like being in the driver's seat, realizing that, that, you know, that, that nothing is happening to you. You are, you are in control and, you know, you have a say. And then of course, being assertive when you're, because I can imagine even, you know, even you had doubts and like, you know, fears when people, they, they want to, they want to shut you down quickly. And I understand because there's, I'm sure there's off the wall ideas that are being, you know, you know, spread to them all the time. And and they're, they're like, all right, let's bring it back to reality here. Let's, you know, but you know, if you believe, truly believe in what, what you, uh, you know, what you want to do in the course you want to take, and you have good evidence like you did, then, you know, be assertive. And I also love that it wasn't the the information that is so important. Like take your doctor, these studies, have them read. Yeah. Know your audience. Yeah. (laughs) Know your audience. And that's the thing is like, you're not, you know, sending them some bogus website to go to. You're like, here's an annotated bibliography of everything I'd like you to look at and then just leave it and walk away. And that thing is my heart was pounding out of my chest when I did that. I mean, don't think that I wasn't nervous or anxious, but I also had this driving force where I knew no one is going to advocate for my child like I will. It's not that they don't care, but ultimately no one will care like I do. So, um, so that's, uh, that's kind of it. I will say one exciting thing. I think you said this is going to come out in January, but at the end of January, I'm actually going to the metabolic health summit in Los Angeles. I'm going to be there. I'm going to, I got to buy my tickets. Oh, awesome. I will definitely meet you in person. That would be that would be fantastic. Yeah, I I told my husband I was like, listen, this summer I was like, I you know it's so nerdy, but I really care about this, and it's just like I'm really excited to see some of the speakers and um and fangirl over some people. <laughs> you know, I'm really so excited. Smart. So I'm uh, gonna have a mom's weekend away. <laughs> You're in Dallas, so what about um KetoCon is in Austin? When is yeah, yeah I know. Yep, I'm gonna go to that too. Um, so I'm excited to start kind of trying to get our story out in a more cohesive way. Um, you kind enough to mention I do. Um, I started with an Instagram account, Keto for My Kid. And um, actually, this should be Jan 1. She'll be going live with www.ketoformykid.com. Um, the four, the and- number four, right? Yes, the number four, exactly. So keto, the number four, my kid, and want to kind of see where it goes from there. I've got kind of big dreams of how I want to get our message out, and uh, as you guys know, it takes it takes time to do that hustle and to and to figure how that's going to work and still be your authentic self at home and be a parent and still pay the bills on time too. So we love that, and definitely let us know how we can support you in that way. We would love to just you know this is one way we're going to get this story out there and just any any other way we can support you you just let us know thank you so much i really appreciate this opportunity and uh, yeah danny can't wait to meet you in january likewise and i just want to say i'm going to round it out by saying adriana thank you for coming on uh thank you so much for coming on and we'll we'll talk to you soon okay thanks guys 